are relevant on brooklyn rebound podcast it's the year 2024 it's your boy pod drew and you know what i'm making my plans for the new year you got to do that i mean some people call it resolutions i guess but I'm, i'm resolving to do some more traveling this year i got a new i travel companion in mind i guess so i gotta convince her to go along with it i don't think it's gonna be that difficult she's not really the the best thinker mentally i want to say i think i could convince her pretty easily but anyway yeah i think we're gonna hit amsterdam if that gets boring i think i might take a little cruise don't want to hit paris or, or france at all gonna avoid gonna try to avoid that just stay on the cruise gonna do some gambling i think that sounds pretty good to me probably try to win a bunch of money that i can later spend and and you know we'll see what i get up to in the old bedroom but i don't i won't i guess i won't get too much into that on this public podcast forum but anyway of course i've got Edash, now I'm back over here. How are you doing? How's your new year going? What's up, buddy? It's your boy, um, E-Nam, Eric, a.k.a. Young Lazy Eye. I'm a little bit upset that you're not going to be visiting me in Lisbon, um, but I understand. You gotta, you gotta go where your heart takes you. Yeah, I mean, I guess we can, I can maybe pencil that into the old itinerary. It wasn't, it wasn't on the initial plan, but you never, you know, I make these plans and then who knows what happens. My travel companion starts getting a mind of her own and trying to to, to run away from me I, well you absolutely cannot have that yeah no i can't have that uh anyway of course i've got yeah we have got <clears throat> evil alex back over here i can't remember if we switched up that nickname last episode but i, I still like evil alex who of course is my uh, travel advisor. She has her own travel business. Let's give a quick plug to that right now up top. Go away, Alex. It's a great site to, or a great company, rather a great service, I should say, for travel planning. This is not a bit, this is a real thing. So check that out. Maybe you can talk more about it, Evil Alex. But yeah, I think you're you're working on this trip that I have planned. Right? Uh, yeah, you're a little wishy-washy, but mm. I'll still manage, I guess. Well, you know, I'm just a man about town doing my law business and, you know. I don't think I can have anything to do with the bedroom portion, but. No, okay. I mean, that's, well, yeah, like I said, I don't want to go to to France. I don't want to visit any brothels. I'm not going to need that. So you don't need to worry about that, that type of planning. But how's your new year going, Evil Alex? Uh, it's going swell. I'm trying to chill, and then I end up not chilling, and then I try to chill again, so, you Rinse know, and repeat. the process, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
that's the pro they had the process and this is a, a reference that you assuredly won't get but they had the process over it's in philly a few yeah. years ago okay you've heard of it with the the sixers <laughs> and, and the good news is that they eventually won a championship so you'll every we'll all get there if we trust the process <laughs> yeah oh well, no they didn't win right? yeah that was a joke buddy Sorry, I, I flubbed it again. We have got to work on the timing. Yes, you. I I will say I, you know maybe I maybe it's my fault because like I'm what I'm gonna say is I'm the common denominator in this situation. But I feel like E Dash Nam and Evil Alex both vex me with their uh, sarcasm at times, not really hitting it direct enough for my liking. And then that's what happened. Right, we've talked about this before. You want me to exaggerate yes, the punchline? We, we want, I mean, this, okay. it's a podcasting, okay. guys, you know, we need to, um, I mean, you just do it to me in real life, Alex, but <laughs> we need to, yeah, we need to play a little bit to the, uh, we don't need to play to the back of the house, like the back row, but we need to play, you know, a few rows deep at least. We don't want to bother the people in the back of the house. That's they're true. They're, they're probably out. doing some of the things that I'm thinking about doing on my vacation, but... <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> guys, what are we what are we here to do? Talk movies, of course. Like, is this movies are relevant? Talking film. We're uh, Eric, of course. We talk about it a lot. We are always touching on you know Oscar films, Oscar bait films. Our milieu is a little more tended toward that, I guess, with the the uh, higher uh, art films uh, or you know A twenty four and all that, of course, but. Not that we don't get into some other stuff, too. But no exception today. I think we were mostly going to talk about Poor Things, the uh, Yorgos Lanthimos film that came out about a month ago that we were both pretty uh, hyped for. And, uh, yeah, let's check. We can uh, check in on what else you guys have been watching, too, though. Any other new... Uh, you know, this time of year is, like, what you call dumpuary, right, Eric? But... You still, you, that's for the new releases oh, yeah. coming out in January into February, probably. But, you know, I'm still catching up on those 2023 releases that are getting more wide release in theaters now, I guess. Or people are just still catching up on VOD, whatever, what have you. Award nominations start coming out. I would think Poor Things, at the very minimum, is going to get some acting nominations. At the very minimum, one acting nomination for Emma Stone. Probably screenplay, Certainly. maybe direction. Oh, yeah, some of those things, yeah. Uh, Set direction or art direction, I would think Mm -hmm. would be a snub if they don't. But, yeah, a lot of times on the show we pair, we do a pair, you know, with an older classic, usually one that I pick, uh, sometimes one that Eric uh, decides on. But this time we didn't really get a good consensus going, so we both... It's my fault. I insisted on Josie and the Pussycats again, and uh, we've already done that, and I forgot, so... That's right, we did pair Josie and the Pussycats with barbie uh, also which barbie i did see a little a couple of people saying this online that poor things is kind of like barbie in some regards but um mm-hmm. i don't know i there's like different jokes about it like i'm trying to remember what any of them were exactly any of the specific references i'm drawing a blank but you know barbie for whatever such and such uh <laughs> twisted yes. minds like something better for than weirdos that. like me. yeah barbie for weirdos like evil alex yeah <laughs> But yeah, there was there was kind of a delineation there with or a, a straight line there with the Barbie going out into the the real world of that film and the uh, Emma Stone character Bella Baxter right being kind of like a doll, I guess. Would you call these uh, 
well, whatever, you know, going out into the real world and, and discovering how things really are or whatever. But would you call these, for lack of a better term, Frankenstein monsters? Would you call things like that dolls, like living dolls? They're like living dolls? Oh, I think that's a sex thing, buddy. Mm, oh, not like a real <laughs> doll or whatever. Yeah, I just mean, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get, connect the Barbie thing more, I guess. But Once again, we're talking about Lars and the Real Girl on this podcast. Mm. No, I mean, I guess there was, like, very much the, like... Both films definitely had their eyes on, like, women's bodily autonomy in a way that, like, played with that very obvious metaphor. Like, well, well, played well with it. But, yeah, yeah, I think I think we're definitely onto something. Uh, yeah, I guess we could debate which did it better. I had some issues with... My small issues I did have with Barbie, which weren't many, because we both really liked it, but... I think what uh, what I said on that episode was that it wasn't hitting some of those things, cutting enough for me. I guess I still need to watch mm-hmm. it again. I really want to watch Poor Things again too. I unfortunately it's not streaming anywhere yet, which most other of these like awards type films are at this point. So I was, well, this one just came out, right? Yeah, but I guess so. But I mean, usually I can find things online, but not not the case here. There was a an illegal like cam version that didn't look too good but yeah i would have liked to maybe rewatched it which i could do with barbie i didn't you know we were planning to talk about that again but anyway yeah i wasn't maybe i'll feel differently when i watch either of them again but that one i felt like was a little facile at times with that or at least i think we, you were you were arguing with me a little bit on the episode but you were making the point maybe that it was just doing it a different way or I wasn't hitting the exact themes that I was looking for, maybe. I can't remember how exactly that argument played out. Yeah, I mean, the Barbie, which I've seen again, I mean, it's okay. it's, I mean, it's definitely, like, more... The term that has been used in, like, modern popular culture for the last 15 years is basic. Like, it's definitely making more obvious points more loudly. Whereas, like, Poor Things is asking a lot of questions and the extent to which it it has the answers or even wants you to think that it thinks it has the answers is completely up for the for debate right mm-hmm. you, yeah I it's agree, it's yeah. more about the fairy tale and like drawing you in to find the conclusion whereas barbie is a bit more didactic it is well and barbie is aimed at like an, a broader audience and like a younger audience than like even though it does like it is enjoyable for older audiences and like obviously anyone can relate to it poor things is not for children in any way even though it's quite colorful there yeah there was the themes right. are a lot more yeah. advanced there was no Fair children uh in our poor things screening as there were lots of them at barbie that's probably for the best what i was pointing out that there was still like a lot of swearing and stuff in barbie so while the themes are similar the audiences are very different i think yeah, I would think yeah, so. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the Lanthimos is a very, a pretty specific voice of with his films, I would say, for the most part. His last two are a little different. I mean, still clear, you can tell it's him, but I think the favorite, which we did a podcast about when that came out a few years back, and this, both are the same writer, and so it's, it's a little bit of his voice, too, I would guess. I, part of it is also that both those films have... English or American actors and our English language, which his other, well, his other, he had some films before that too, like the the ones with Colin Farrell. So he'd been doing right. The Lobster and Killing of a Sacred Deer are not American productions, but they are primarily in English. Although there's quite a bit of French in The Lobster. With his last two movies, he did like move to uh, like England 
to start doing like Hollywood films with English language actors. So I don't think we're going back to the dog tooth days. I don't think we're ever going to see a Yorgos Lanthimos movie in Greek again, or at least not for some time. And I would say, and I'm crediting the writer a bit too. I think his name is McNamara, something McNamara. Tony McNamara. Yeah. Yeah. The dialogues are more pithy for sure in these last two. And like, it's a different style than the lobster or uh, going back to dog teeth and stuff different language obviously but and also he gets really into this like which i don't remember this from his other films other than the favorite and was definitely used in this one quite a bit this like kind of fishbowl lens um on the camera like in a bunch of scenes and kind of like, these mm. wide angle things maybe i'm mistaken but i don't remember that being his style previously really i think you're starting to see some of that in the deer and the lobster um but it's definitely not as pronounced like it's definitely yeah. it feels like his trademark after the favorite and poor things but he's not like the camera work isn't as far as i remember so robust mm-hmm. uh and like in your face flexy in sacred deer and lobster and you're you're right that like since Tony, since he's been working with Tony McNamara, his very like mannered, hazy fairy tale like dream state, like dream logic dialogue situation has completely gone away for this like pithy. I think is the word you used. Yeah. 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 Very naughty and sarcastic. Yeah, but sarcastic. Which of sure. course poses some trouble for you when delivered flatly. The, correct. Yes, I will say that the actors. I mean, listen, uh, I won't compare you to to these professional actors, so it's, it wouldn't be fair. But yes, they do they do do a good job, I think. Yeah, Emma Stone was in both both of those films too, I think. So she's uh, one of his players now, I guess. We'll see if she's in the next one. But t- going from the supporting, I guess, yeah, it was a supporting role in the favorite, even though it was one of the main three. It was kind of a triangle. Mm-hmm. I would consider, if there was a lead in that film, I would say it was Rachel Weisz, but I guess it was all three of the main ones were. Didn't they end up running Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz as supporting actors and give a uh, lead to Emma Coleman, which she won? Um, I think she won a supporting. Okay, okay. I might be wrong. I don't remember. You might be wrong. <laughs> is, this, is this a first? Yes, I wow. might be. Uh, it's not a first, it might be a third or fourth. <laughs> okay, okay, fair enough. Wow. I remember a Coleman, in my head it's she won supporting actor, but yeah, I guess. I think she won best actress, because I remember okay. the speech. Forever, my bitches! Okay, yeah, so that that was a weird kind of situation, though, where it's hard to tell what... Where they were all the Maybe lead. we talk yeah. about these awards, like some supporting performances, or like, some people get nominated for like a one-scene performance... And then some are like the clearly like the lead character, but they're in supporting, and I don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think William Hurt won the supporting actor back years ago, but for the uh, history of violence, and he was literally on screen, and I think only one scene, maybe two, but he was on screen for like literally seven minutes, I think, of the film. Is he in that movie? Film. Yeah, he's in the basically the finale. He's like where Vigo's going back to his like what was his secret life as a... Oh, okay, okay, okay. And he was, like, his old boss, I guess, or whatever, the person in charge. Anyway, I was going to go somewhere else. I got onto Emma Stone and the acting, but what was I trying to get onto? Oh, I know, I know. So I got to this idea from the how they're moving the camera, but also with these two films, the McNamara films, the fairy tale is going back in time to, like, a 
I mean, in the favorite, it's like basically a real. They're they're not too fantastical in that one at all. It is like the real, what England in the sixteen hundreds or whatever. And this one, it is more fantastical, but it is still more of like an old timey vibe, right? I'm not sure mm-hmm. exactly what they're going. Maybe like a, a early nineteen hundreds, I guess, late eighteen hundreds, probably early nineteen hundreds, right? Yeah, it's like it's like a, a a Murakami or Marquez infused like magical realist like version of actual 1901 London or Lisbon. Yeah. And and so whereas going back to like the lobster, that was also like a fantastical world or a different uh version of the of what's not the real world, but it was more of like a future facing one, I would say, or like yeah. something that could happen down the line versus looking back the same way more as to looking back to like an older style i guess it's interesting too that they used i mean i kind of like it because like nowadays it's so many english and australian actors are playing americans but in this one they had all americans playing i guess english people hard to tell exactly but they're supposed to be in london like pretty much right at the beginning every single actor is or uh, actor of name is american that's funny that's cool yeah, and in the favorite, Emma Stone obviously is American, but the rest of the roles in that were played by English people. Would make sense, the Queen of England, but, you know, I, I like the little reversal. But again, yeah, it doesn't hit too hard on some type of realism for, like, a real time and place, exactly. It's more of, like, a vibe of what this time and place is, I guess, is what I was getting. Yeah, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a Sweeney Todd's London. Yeah, that's a good call. Mm. And then there are some things, though, there are some things that weren't, when they go to the other locations, too, some fantastical elements of things that don't, never actually existed, right? Well, the cruise ship itself. The, well, the ship itself, I yeah. guess. But but also, like, when she leaves, where where do they go when she, like, leaves and learns about the, the poverty and everything? Alexandria. Is it? Is it Egypt? Ah, uh, okay, Alexandria, yeah. Was there, there's, like, the, the stairs down, the like a gondola type of thing or something or like mm. they they definitely have the gondolas in Amsterdam. Okay, so I thought what I was looking at was something that doesn't exist, but maybe it does. Maybe you just need to travel more. Well, I'm making this plan. <laughs> I mean, you're making these travel plans for me, right, yeah. Alex? Uh, so we, I I am planning to stay in the air and see these gondolas. Now, this is why I wish I could have rewatched the film because now these these little details are escaping me. It's been a it has been about a month. Well, for instance, science is capable of putting a young a, a, a baby girl's brain in an adult woman's body and having her raised, you know, from childhood in this adult woman's body. Science is capable of putting a goose's head on a dog, right? Or putting a dog or a goat's head into what is that what is that man's name? Chris Abbott. Chris yeah, I guess Rabbit. we should say at this point I I highly doubt anyone would be listening to this if they haven't seen it, but we'll spoil from here on out. Anyway, um, yeah, Christopher Abbott, the the indie king of uh, this this era, I would say, he shows up in the third act. Almost felt like a fourth act, honestly. Mm-hmm. This this movie dragged out. I, I don't want to say it dragged out. Like I enjoyed it the whole time, but definitely unfolded in a way. Yeah, it definitely takes its leisure with its runtime. Not not so bad as Killers of the Flower Moon, which was, I think, probably a slightly greater film. But yeah. Mm. You said a greater film? Uh, yeah, yeah. I yeah, think no, I, agree. I, 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 I love mean, I the favorite. Uh, or uh, poor things, but... Um, <laughs> no, I love the favorite. Yes, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think uh, if I... I mean, it's kind of hard to compare those two. I, if I had to say which was the better. 
killers. But I also didn't. That was a disagreement we had on that episode. I think I didn't. I really didn't feel the runtime much on that, even though it was so long. I thought it. I thought it moved along nicely. I'm really feeling the, the runtime on movies this year, which is not like make movies as long as you make movies as long as you want them to be. I love a tight ninety, but I'm not like I'm not here out here saying it's ableism to have a three hour movie. Make movies as long I as did you write want. That it was long, so maybe oh, yeah, so I notes. took notes. I, no, because I, he told me we weren't going to podcast for a while, so I remember writing down notes. Yeah. And I don't know what this note means, but I did write long, so maybe I found. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great. With your memory, Alex, do you feel like the baby brain that was a different person? Are you trying to make a a joke? Not exactly. I mean, I was trying to tie in the movie more, but no, like you, a lot of times you tell me you don't remember things easily, or like, or like things we watch, like yeah. Like last season of The Bear or whatever, uh, it's just out. You just you're like it's that was too long ago. We watched it two months ago. You tell me to remember that. Yeah, I can't remember. I don't hold visual. I don't know. I can't hold TV and movies in my brain. I don't so, have room for it. So I'm just saying. Yeah, that yeah. Does it feel like another person or something? Like your brain got taken out. No, right, never mind. It's not working. No, but I do remember <laughs> once. You you wrote that long note when we went out of the when we were leaving the film or later that day I, we did talk about this. You said it felt a little uh, long to you, and but another issue was we were back at Alamo Draft House for this. Uh, we're we're doing bi coastal Alamos because we we did see Killers of the Flower Moon and and the Brooklyn one. We're visiting nice. there, my brother, and then we saw this one in L.A. where we live. Poor things, the d- downtown L.A. Alamo. What they do there is they drop that check before the movie ends to like because it's you oh know, yeah that's food why it stuff. felt long. One week previous to this screening, I went and saw the Boy and the Heron. Is that what the name of it is? Yeah, right. That's the, a name. The new Miyazaki film. We can talk about that another time. Is really good. But anyway, I went to the same draft house. They were dropping the checks, and then the the movie ended like fifteen minutes later. I mean, same thing, I think, with Killers. I don't remember exactly, yeah. but, like, you get that... I mean, on one hand, it's probably not good, because then you're like, oh, I know the movie's ending soon. But you're getting the sense, like, oh, this is going to wrap up. I don't know if they just dropped it super early at this poor thing screening, but there was at least 30 minutes. There was, like, a full more. act I would more. say more, yeah. Yeah, after. It was, like, 45 minutes. We had not seen Indy King, Christopher Abbott. No. We hadn't seen uh, Hyde nor Harrison yet at this point when they are dropping the check. So it definitely kind of threw us off a little bit, I think. In terms of really? the flow, yeah, of the, of the yeah, there's quite know. a bit of movie left after that. We didn't order anything. We didn't have to pay. Yeah, anything. when I'm getting the check, I'm like, oh, it must yeah. be ending soon, and it wasn't. So I was like, oh, there's way more. I think I'm stumbling into a theory here. Like these people are better at making movies than I'll ever be at watching movies, and that's like get that on the table first, right? But do you think that there's something going on with, like, the great filmmakers where it's like, you don't tell me how to pace my movie. I'll pace my movie however the fuck I want. You think my movie's about to end? I'm going to trick you into thinking my movie's about to end and there's 20 more minutes, you fucking idiot. Mm -hmm. Is that going on? Probably. If Paul Thomas Anderson does that to me, I'll know it's a trend. The people up there in power, you know they're hungry or... Or maybe even as a reaction to, like, uh, interminable discourse about how, like, making a prestige film or an indie film of any kind that takes any kind of, like, attention paid to it is, again, like, doing ableism. I wonder if these cranky old men are just, like, getting ornery, you know? I definitely think you're onto something there. I could definitely see these auteurs doing that. My only thing about the specific Alamo thing is, like, I thought it was just on 
like some kind of timing thing. Like they know what the runtime is. Yeah. They're gonna do it at a certain time. So that that's what didn't make sense. Well, but but it is like a weirdly paced finale, right? It's because like that's that second act mm-hmm. is like yeah. it takes so much of the movie, and then it gets to a stopping point with the with the wedding, and then there's like thirty more minutes of movie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, with, the, with her real, her old life. And, this, well, yeah. and it's like, the stop, getting to that stopping Back point feels rushed, too. And then it's like, okay, well, it was rushed because mm-hmm. we're moving right the fuck on from it because there is no wedding. Yeah. Yeah, this whole... Well, let's, let's dive in a little bit more to, like, what actually happens in the film, like, the plot, I guess. So, the Bella Baxter is a... Oh, also, I saw this on... I looked at the Wikipedia earlier today. And I didn't realize till today that this is based on a novel. It's yes. An adapted, yeah. An adaptation. Okay. So I guess they. I thought it was a very novel, novel idea. No pun intended to to have this, um, the baby, Frankenstein thing, baby brain, which I never would have thought of really. But I guess that that whatever that author was is the one who came up with that part of it at least. And so yeah, novel idea to have the mother's pregnant mother's brain switched with her still alive mm-hmm. fetus or brain or whatever would it actually work this way i mean these are the frankenstein stories it wouldn't, wouldn't work in general i guess but she catches on to things pretty quick um brain wise it seems like getting the baby's brain in the in the adult's body makes it go somewhat faster development wise um we don't know exactly how long it's been i guess but not crazy well rami yusuf's character like doesn't age at all during that time right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, it doesn't seem like... Even before really he much, shows up on the scene, though. But. Much of them do. All we see of her aging is, like, her hair grows. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which mm. is, like, fascinating and cool, and I liked yeah. that. But an interesting way to, like, process time. And then I guess, so then eventually she leaves with uh, Ruffalo. We'll talk about that. But he, they do then get a... They, meaning Defoe and Rami Yusuf, it has name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The basically Frank Doctor Frankenstein and uh, what's Frankenstein's assistant? Igor. Uh, Igor, Yusuf is the Igor. They get a new Frankenstein monster, I guess, with uh, our our girl from uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. There, Margaret Qualley, yeah, yeah, and she doesn't. She progresses more slowly, I guess. Like she, uh, it seems like they are having more of a. We don't see as much of her, but it seems like they have a harder time with her. But yeah, yeah, it definitely, I, I, it's definitely there to draw a contrast between like, oh, there's something special about Bella. About mm-hmm. Bella, yeah. So also, it's well, that I can't read her Bella thoughts. Obviously, sorry, go on. <laughs> well, let's talk about Defoe. Um, as what was this character's name? Um, God. God. Oh, that's right. God. They keep saying God. Do you believe in God? All this. Yeah. So great performance by Defoe as usual. Very well cast here. Maybe one of my favorite performances from him from honestly. him I, I might agree with that he's he's fucking fantastic i don't know he's just like not doing anything but coming in and playing like a grumpy like, old man who's right all the time <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and, which that is like a character prototype we've seen a lot but with this version of it he, it is pretty interesting with all the twists i mean it's kind of like which is down to the writing even as much as the performance i think but and maybe it's in the original book, I don't know, but he's kind of like Dr. Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster in one character because he is doing the doctor stuff, obviously, but his own father, like, experimented on him all the time, I guess, and was 
evidently like a terrible, absolutely terrible person and just <laughs> treated his son like a complete lab rat. Lab rat, yeah. He removed his so, own gastric juices <laughs> so that we could find out that we... Oh, the yeah, burping that, thing is wild. I don't know if that's in the book, but that's very lent the most touch, I thought, with him. Like, you don't know what the hell you just saw. Like, he defoe burp at the dinner table. Yeah, burps yeah. This weird brown ball that pops like a bubble. And then later you find out it's because of, what, the gastric removal or whatever. But he's also been eunuchized or whatever. Uh, I don't know what the, the verb for that is, but... he. Be, I don't know if he's literally had been, but... What is the verb for that on a person? I was almost going to say euthanized, but that's obviously incorrect. It's um, gelded for, like, an animal. Yeah. I, but I think in this one, he didn't... His father didn't literally geld him like a horse, but it, he did something that made him not... He can't do it. <laughs> Right, 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 right. He, he gives that whole speech. I'm just like, <laughs> that happened to me. And also, you don't, think I th- you don't think I thought about, you don't think I thought about marrying this beautiful woman? I feel like I'm her father. That's gross. Yeah, so it got into that a little bit thing too. Uh, that a little bit too, yeah, where he's like more, more of the father figure. Obviously that would happen, I would think. But, but then Igor is, is all too willing then to, I mean, he has some moral qualms, I guess, a little bit. But, but he's like, oh, I'll marry her then or whatever. Like he gets into her. Right. I guess they do get together at the end. Um, I don't know if they're actually married, but she first wants to do a little experimenting with old uh, Ruffalo, the lawyer uh, Wedderburn. Was that his name? I think. I think it's it's fantastic. It is Duncan Wedderburn. Yeah. Yeah. So he pops onto the scene. He's playing a big. We've seen two. Well, we can't. I don't know if I should even say this. I I assume it's fine because no one's gonna. The people at whatever film studio this is are probably not listening, but uh, at Evil Alex and I did take in, I think I told you, Eric, off mic, maybe, we saw the new Bong Joon-ho film that's coming out this year. We saw a test screening of it last year. Which, that's not which, uh, coming Ruffalo out this year. In. You saw Mickey 17? Yes, yes. It's not coming out this they, year? They unscheduled it recently because they really? want Whoa. me to finally do it, to really do it this time. Mm. All right, well... Anyway, we did see that. We're not supposed to say anything about it. But all I will say is that Ruffalo plays it pretty big in that one also. So we saw, I saw back-to-back uh, performances by him that were very big. But I, he's in his bag here. He, you, you, uh, did you write a note about this? Because you told me you really liked his uh, physicality. Yeah, I, I had a little bit of a beef with Emma Stone's mm. movement. I, as, a, as a choreographer and movement, I don't know, person... <laughs> I think there was like some gaps with her and I understand that like when filming it doesn't necessarily go in order but like in some of the scenes she was like very much wobbling like the baby toddler but then in the next scene it was better and then in the very next scene it was back to the first one and it just felt oh, a little yeah. bit not what's the word well inconsistent or inconsistent but like continuity not oh, cont- breaking continuity yeah a little bit of that yeah. and so okay. that was my first beef like off the bat with catching up to okay what's what is this movie gonna be and watching her physical character and as soon as mark ruffalo came on the screen his physical acting surpassed hers in 30 seconds and i was so in with his like physicality i was like wow he's fucking crushed it in this minute and that he leveled up the movie for me okay and no shade to emma stone you know i can't imagine having to do that and not in order you know like to to figure out what that 
pattern of progression looks like in your body without actually doing it from A to Z and having to do it in all different mm-hmm. formats. So I understand that that is a really difficult thing to do, but I think that said, it could have been better. You, you like the part where he fell down the, fell on the stairs when I was running over it. Right? Yeah, right. or like he does something where he fell like into yeah. the bed or something. And yeah, he's doing a lot of, a lot of those things. It was excellent. His whole uh, character was excellent. That being said, what did you think about Stone's performance in general, the the kind of uh, physicality aside? Because it is getting rave reviews, I would say, that I'm seeing. I don't... I'm not an... I'm not against Emma Stone. I'm not a big fan. She's kind of mid for me. I think that she did a good job with what she was given. I think sometimes she gets cast just because... This is a hot take. Yeah, I think sometimes she gets cast because she just has a really interesting and weird look, mm-hmm. but I don't necessarily know if she fits the shoes of some of the roles that she gets because... Well... Yeah, and... Do you have another role in mind offhand, or...? Off the top of my head, no. But I feel like specifically this one, it's like they're looking for someone really interesting looking. I think that it, he... Whoever the, the director is obviously Lattimus, like it's, yeah. she's his player and I get that, but I don't know. I think I I would love to you know, it would be interesting in a different world to see a different person play this yeah. part. Um I personally disagree with that take, which was spicy, but yeah. Um <laughs> I thought she was great in this movie, but I see what you mean about the look. Like she does have a an interesting look and it's not like Margot Robbie or something, you know, it's not like the traditional <laughs> Hollywood I think beauty. she progressed but, for me. Like by the end, by the middle and the last half of the movie, I was like, she's doing really good. I think it's yeah. for me. It was the, the the physical acting. I can't separate it from from right. the other part of it. And the baby acting just didn't. It wasn't I, landing for me. Yeah, I, no. I I like her naturalism. I think because as an actor in general, I feel like she doesn't have a lot of kind of like actory ticks and things like. A lot of other actors would bring to something like this, or other other roles too. Like she seems kind of genuine to me, which I think is why she gets cast in a lot of stuff. It do- it doesn't seem very overly mannered. Her performances usually. Mm. I could see I could see a different actor taking this role and being like, because it it is like a crazy role of like being like going from like a baby toddler or whatever to like a grown woman whatever and doing all these things. I mean, there's all the, the dancing, the running around all the sex scenes, everything. I could definitely see someone doing a lot more with it. I don't know. I, I think she plays it reserved, even with like the baby talk and stuff like that and the, the physicality, like you're saying. I think she still plays it na- kind of natural. Where do you stand, Eric? I don't enjoy disagreeing with Alex. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think Emma Stone's amazing in this. The things that she can do with her face and her eyes... I think we're talking, like, Julia, Denzel, and, like, not that many other people, and then Emma Stone. Um, I think that this movie is incredible, and hear me when I say it, this movie is going to ask you really big questions about, like, social politics and gender theory um, and uh, women's place in the world, and to the extent that it has an answer, it's going to smugly fold its arms and ask you, what do you think I'm saying? And if that's annoying to you, I get it. But also this movie to me is an opportunity to kind of like sit back and watch 
LeBron James and Dwayne Wade just tossing each other alley-oops again and again and again, which is something that I have been missing in my life for over a decade now. The things that Yorgos Lanthimos does with his camera, um, the the flex work, the like fisheye lens, which gets it, which I know people are annoyed by it some at times, but the things that he does where he adjusts the angle so that you're like, you're seeing this person's big face lit up like a moon from the camera which is in a position of like slight submissiveness right because it's coming from under them or if it's a scene where a character is taking their power back in some way right then the camera is going to get like a like a tilt downward like these are like subtle little lanthimos isms or like the fisheye lens to like disorient which is obviously like an age-old trick watching him do that and pick his spots to do stuff like that and then watching emma stone do what she's able to do with her face body and eyes in this movie and Ruffalo, which, which we which we touched on, Ruffalo's mannerisms in this movie, like I are things that I didn't know he had in him after we lost him to the Marvel machine for so long. Uh, this movie fucking rocks, <laughs> and and I think specifically in a lot of time cases for the acting, in my opinion. Yeah, well, let, let me go back to Evil Axe here then, because you're going obviously you like you love the stone performance but you're going broader and sort of the film in general with you what you just said eric so i was asking alex you about mostly about that specific performance because i knew kind of knew your opinion already but like what what did you think of the film as a whole i mean as a whole it was excellent and i think i'm being i'm being especially critical of emma stone because of the other actors in this movie mm-hmm. and because i was able to juxtapose ruffalo next to Emma Stone, it was like, oh, she's not matching him. And she does eventually match him. It's that first quarter of the movie that I was not, I wasn't convinced. Okay. And so, but I do think the acting in this movie is overall A++. I just think Emma Stone in that first, and maybe it's not, maybe it was direction, you know, or maybe it was someone that's on the side telling her what to do. Or maybe it was editing, even if what you're saying. Or editing, you know, it it doesn't, it's not necessarily her. It's just that there was some, there was things that were taking me out of the moment because Mm -hmm. I was distracted by this. Stuff that I may have missed uh, because I'm not a choreographer. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. and I'm fair. easily, but, I, you know, it's that's what I'm always looking at. Of if course. you're, you know, if you're an, a good actor, you're going to be a good physical actor too, and that's, you know, it's a whole body thing. So, did you like that dance? You know, I think we might have talked about this too. But I but loved that the was dance really good, scene. Yeah. I thought it was incredibly well choreographed, and I am so picky. So, I, hats off to the choreographers of that. I loved the whole vibe of the room, how they incorporated everything. I thought the movement was just excellent i i couldn't have done it better myself yeah well don't sell yourself short i think <laughs> we're gonna get yorgos on the line for the ne- his next film the, the next favorite and happy to we're gonna recommend you for the, the choreography no but what uh, but you brought the fish islands thing back in and what you were talking about eric and that made me think as well i think you said that a lot of filmmakers use that technique for like sh- what did you say showing um disorientation or something yeah like that. yeah yeah so which is a little bit with this too but i'm thinking he was using it in this one i think to show like how wide the world is to like a toddler or to like a person that's just experiencing mm-hmm. it right it's like about that and then like the favorite they're using it a lot too and, and that one i think it was kind of almost the the inverse like where it's like showing how insular this like world of the court is mm-hmm. 
and like all these crazy people in that. Like the way that it makes the hallways in the palace in the favorite feel like they go on forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but it's just these small group, and like in this, it's the whole world. So it's it's interesting how we can essentially use the same exact technique twice, but like make it mean something different. Yeah, yeah. He's Atlantis uh, is one of my favorite directors, honestly. I would have to say, and it, it just. You, I guess, weren't a fan, Alex, of the of the as much of the first act. It seems like, but to me, I don't know if that was maybe my favorite part of the film. Like, I, mm. I think it's because, and some of even the better acting and themes came later. But I think I just like the vibe of, and this won't happen again. Watching it again, even though I'm going to, but even like I said with the bubble thing with the phone, you don't know what's going on there. You don't know what's going on here. Like I like There's mystery. the mystery, yeah, mm-hmm. kind of unfolding, and and knowing this director. And how weird his films get. Like, anything is possible at this point. A few minutes in, like, she's talking like this. You don't know the baby brain thing. You don't know what's going on. I, I vaguely knew it was some kind of Frankenstein riff. But, yeah, like, why is she talking like this? Who it, They show her, I guess, at the beginning. Like, you know, someone that committed suicide or jumped off a bridge or whatever. But, yeah, I, I just like being in that world in that, in that moment, I guess. And then there's a lot of sex in this movie, so Emma Stone really went for it in that regard, too, more so than any... That was maybe uh, more Emma Stone than I needed to see. <laughs> Mark Ruffalo, but... There was a lot of... I felt there was a little overkill with the sex. Maybe a little bit. I mean, w- let's talk about that angle with the, f- the, f- the feminist themes. Is it a little bit... I mean, it seemed like the... So she joins this brothel, basically, to make money, and this whole thing is like, I don't care. Ruffalo's driven crazy even further by this. Mm-hmm. Uh, ends up ultimately ends up in a mental asylum or whatever because what like the the typical thing to say would be like no don't you don't just someone from polite society doesn't just make this decision obviously she doesn't care and know any different right has her own reason but it, that that so that's like a kind of feminist idea i guess that's like women sh- can get empowered by getting paid to have sex sort of idea is that am I like? Well, yeah. I mean, they they literally say she and her um her her friend slash lover from the brothel um like at at yeah. one point say the line we are our own means of production right. It's definitely mm-hmm. it's about the ownership that Ruffalo feels over her body right and what she's able to uh, use it to get for herself and how those two things are at odds and why yeah. why are they in that position in the first place? You know, <laughs> you you promise to take you promise to take care of her and then aren't so yeah but so but so in the film that's showing this idea though the way there's a lot of the way they're showing it is just like a bunch of you know somewhat meant to be a titillating sex scene so is there like some kind of disconnect there i'm making i'm not saying i'm making this argument necessarily i don't know if i believe that but i could see that argument that well it's actually not. is it meant to be titillating because a lot of it is like a lot of it's meant to be alienating i feel like it's a lot of, like, gross yes. guys. And, like, the men that are coming uh-huh. in are, like, scary. And, like, it seems mm. like there's danger involved. Except the one really handsome priest. She, but even she was, like, <laughs> yeah. even in that one, she was, like, God gave you a gift, sir. And he he's buttoning up his little collar. And he's, like, it was a curse. I don't know. I mean, maybe titillating is too strong. But I don't think it's just meant to be. It's still putting the, the Emma Stone in all this, like, situation, all these scenes. I, I think... 
there's it's just I mean it's like you were saying earlier about like this movie asks a lot of questions that maybe it doesn't answer and maybe we don't answer but it just asks the questions and for me it was a lot of like the difference between men's bodies viewed in society versus women's bodies mm -hmm. and just what you were saying of like Mark Ruffalo feels entitled to her body and even the god and you know Rami feel like oh they have to protect her and and this is such a big 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 theme in reality that we don't talk about a lot you know there's always this women are less strong and thus men must protect us thing that is just societally carved and it's an interesting thing to just kind of poke at in this movie without necessarily having answers or you know solidified questions like yeah. Yeah. You just said something that I think is really important. God, like her, ultimately her father figure, right? Felt so entitled to her body in a not gross way that he literally reanimated it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They all, so like, he, he, they all felt yeah. entitled to her body at some point. It was all like, and she is like just learning how to be autonomous with her mind. And you know, once she finally gets to that point, she's so strong. It's such, that's such an interesting thing because I feel like as a woman in this society, like, ugh, we don't get taught to be strong. We just get taught over and over that like, we're not good enough and we should find someone to protect mm. us. And, and this, by the end, you're like, that conversation that she has with Rami, I can't remember exactly what they say, but I just remember her being like, them, basically talking about like consent and like, if I want to or not. Yeah. And it's just such a, it's such a great, you know, 2023, 20, 24 theme of like, what do we actually want, women? <laughs> We've never really been asked that. Yeah. So. Now we're getting back to the Barbie stuff a little bit too. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, that's where these are intersecting again. All right, I would, I would argue that what Defoe did was in a gross way. It's just not in the gross way of like, oh, okay. the typical. <laughs> not in a sexual way. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right, all right. Uh, yeah. True. I just had to go back for that one. Couldn't resist. But anyway, even on this episode, we didn't get into any other films like we do a lot. And it's still gone almost an hour now. But So there's a lot, lot to unpack with this one. But I don't know. I think we could wrap up and maybe talk about a couple other things we're excited to watch this year or that we've seen. But, you know, we all obviously liked it or slash loved it. I want to talk about one other thing. Oh, yeah, what else is on your note? Uh, I want to talk about how much I loved The Cynic and The Old Lady. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Michaels. I wrote their nonchalance I aspire to. <laughs> I just love them as characters. It really gave me, like, the Little Prince vibes. Like, this movie is giving, like, Benjamin Button. It's giving, like, flowers for Algernon. And then mm. somehow also giving Little Prince. Because she's, like, along her journey, she's, like, meeting these people that yeah. are, like, very specific ways of being. Like, the cynic. And, you know, like, finding someone like that that gives that, like, gives her that perspective in, like, a whole being. Just really fascinating to yeah. me. And I really appreciated those those characters. Oh, yeah. It was, I would say with them... The John Carmichael character, the cynic, right? It was, I don't know if that was that his character's name or I don't know. I just call him that. Yeah, I don't know. We could call him that. But he, even so, he's not, he's the one male character that's not interested in. I don't know if he's coded as homosexual. I know the actor is in real life, but he wasn't clearly interested in her mm -hmm. physically. And he wasn't. That's like, why I loved him, but, probably. But, <laughs> and like the God thing, he wasn't interested in her scientifically. 
But he still tried to take some ownership in a way that, like every other character did in the way that, and he admitted to it basically later in the one scene, but he's like, he's trying to take ownership of her, her thoughts or like her outlook on life by purposely showing her, knowing what was going to happen, kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. like trying to like break her spirit on like showing her to be miserable like him. Yeah. Yeah. The poverty and all that. So he's still not, you know noble or something i guess i appreciated the realism there yeah yeah no it's a good point i like the, the old lady too was very she, she was excellent. very funny oh and like, like she's like the book. she was laughing she's when she was getting attacked book. like oh, oh i'm being murdered yeah <laughs> she was so good and then there's the ending of course is a little a neat little uh twist there with uh she's taking over and her other uh we didn't get too much into it but her old husband and her old life i guess her mother's husband in the same body but did anyone think they were gonna put god's brain in the ex-husband because that's where i thought they were going but then they didn't go there so i don't know no, they, just they put uh, i didn't think of it personally that, that is what it, that is exactly what i thought they were gonna do but um you did too no right? it was just a goat yep <laughs> yeah i like the goat better <laughs> yeah i liked it better but i was like oh they could just put him oh well, all right i think it's good i mean it's probably the better option to just let him die at that point that he his whole life was just a, one long experiment on himself that's true and with others like just let give him some peace just end it yeah whether he deserves it or not i don't yeah so that's poor things or any eric did you have any other last uh notes that's about all i've got on poor things um thought it was great really liked it so i'll say i watched one other film that i was floating out as a possible pair for this Evil Alex didn't bite on it, probably rightfully so, and uh, Eric, you didn't have a chance, but I was trying to look for, or we were both, I guess, trying to look for, like, a pair of an older film with some similar type of themes or something, so I would kept seeing this one come up on lists on, like, Letterboxd and Movie and these sites of, of, like, famous kind of popular art house type films from, like, the 70s, 60s, 70s, etc., and I've seen this one a lot. I think it's from 1971, I believe. That's a Yugoslavian film called W.R. Mysteries of the Organism. Uh, I thought it might have some similar kind of themes based on what I read about it. But when I actually watched this thing, it was pretty It was pretty strange. It's basically... W.R. stands for William Reich, who is this like German... Not psychologist, but like sociologist, maybe. He had these... like theories about orgasms and all these things like kind of like a like sex things basically i think he got kicked out of germany basically or was like forced to leave because of these ideas and he moved to maine uh in the states and had this whole thing going on there this whole like uh theory of the like orgasmic power or something um which i think some people still are adherents of today but like so the first half of this movie is like a documentary basically about this guy and they, there's people talking it's like a straight up documentary so i was watching that and i'm like oh this is interesting and then it moves to like in the second half to this story this like fictional story you know like a non-documentary part and it has like all these like themes of like communism and stuff socialism so it's taking place in what at the time was like yugoslavia as part of the ussr so that's where I had read some things that I thought it might tie into poor things, but I, I don't know if it did completely, but it has this, like, woman who... she It's, like, done in a weird style, too, so 
it's not like Lent almost whatsoever, but it is like, at least it does pair that it's a completely out there style of filmmaking. And maybe it was a bigger thing in like the late 60s. It, it felt like that kind of vibe, I guess. But so this, this like woman is just like, uh, it's a character, but she's like talking to the screen or she's like talking to people, like preaching to them basically about communism and all these things. And then like her roommate is like having sex with a guy like on screen next to her while she's talking and like all this weird stuff. But she like gets involved with this uh, communist figure skater then, a Russian guy. I don't know. I guess what I'm saying probably makes no sense without having watched it. But that was the homework <laughs> I gave myself watching this. It's only like 75 minutes long too. So it's a pretty short watch, but apparently yeah this is this is well regarded and then i guess this director made a another film a couple years after this that had like a bunch of like really explicit stuff in it and then he like killed his career but anyway i think this this one was banned also in yugoslavia or ussr and all this stuff and uh, only came out years later but that was my attempt to, to find a pair digging into that one I'd also floated Valerie in her week of wonders, which I didn't rewatch, but I watched a couple of years ago. That is a Czech film from around the same period, early seventies. That I think has some. It's less narratively driven, also, but maybe has some similar themes. It's a poor thing, so it gets considered checking that out too. But yeah, whether the themes match or not. What else have you been watching over the holiday season, Eric? And any other new releases that you think maybe we should do on the show or that you just want to shout out? Um, I saw Godzilla Minus One. It's incredible. I saw The Holdovers. It's yeah, really I good. I s- we watched we that watched the other that day. I really liked it. I really liked it. I like Paul Giamatti. I like the kid. Mm-hmm. I like uh, yeah. Dave Enjoy Randolph. It, it was like what I thought it would be exactly pretty much, and but a, an excellent version of that, like a masterfully done version of what kind of what you want and that's exactly it. it's a, that's an alexander Payne movie yeah no it was great it was great yeah i watched i finally saw eileen the anne hathaway joint uh last night okay i haven't seen that it's uh it's interesting i literally can't tell you anything about it because people care about spoilers are you, but are you a hathaway guy I can't <laughs> so on a year. i am a i'm a big hathaway I guy it was okay, and hathaway was my first celebrity crush but uh also i think she's Aww. an amazing actor so She's okay. also very nice, I've heard. I, I wouldn't right. know. I never planned to meet her, but... No, you shouldn't meet your heroes, even if they are. That's right, that's right. Or your first crushes. Um, <laughs> celebrity crush. Right, right. I, I mean, I think it, it's still a crush, right? Like, But not his first crush. First celebrity ah, crush. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Who was the first one? Real, like a, a kindergarten teacher or something? I, don't, I feel like you, you're the type of guy that got on this game early, Eric. Am I, is that a mystery? Oh, it's hard to keep track of all the broken hearts, brother. <laughs> no, I don't. I fully don't remember who my first crush was. <laughs> I do, Jonathan Kirby. Sh- shout out, Jonathan! Kirby shout out over here. I know Kirby is a, he's a Nintendo character. <laughs> nope, not that. <laughs> it wasn't like a pink cloud guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, that's what I've been watching. I rewatched Bottoms. Still amazing. Mm. What else have we fucking seen? Not that many movies. Did we watch anything else? Today? I finally got Drew to watch not a new movie, but an old dance movie that I love. Oh, yes. And it's a Robert Altman film. Ooh. Uh, the Company? The Company. One of his final films. Yeah, I, I really liked it. One of my favorites. Had that Altman style, for sure, but also the realism, the characters talking over each other stuff. And it has but, to be James Franco's 
one of his first movies. He's like a baby in it. He looks so so young. Oh my god! Yeah, it was, it was probably a couple of years after Freaks and Geeks, maybe I think. Oh yeah, um, that. yeah. But yeah, it was definitely before he was a bigger star. Yeah, the, even for Alvin, that one is really like almost like a documentary. It feels like, but not being so. So yeah, it was, that was good. That's a, that's a recommend from O three or whatever. 20, 21 year anniversary. Oh, man. Yeah, we're old. Yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, I said it. Maybe uh, I don't know. Would you be interested? Did you have you seen the boy in the hair, Eric? Um, not yet, not yet. I think that could definitely be right for a full episode this year. Maybe let's if do you it. Want to get into that? I don't know what's what else. It, we might have to use in the next month or two because, uh, like we said, Don Puerri, there's not gonna. Be, <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do an episode on uh, Infinity Pool. Or something like that. Yeah, I want to do an episode on Infinity Pool. I know you would. Hi. Well, Evil Outs, maybe you can watch that and you two can <laughs> do one without me. Yeah. A February horror. A February <laughs> horror release episode. Yes. Hell yeah, hell yeah. And no, it's, we're fully in Dumpuary. Uh, I'm not trying to see the beekeeper, you know. <laughs> the beekeeper? Is that the state of the Yeah. I did read a funny tweet about oh. the beekeeper. Where it's like, this guy's a beekeeper, his job is like, as a professional, like, assassin whose job is to, like, call the herd or, like, clean the hive or whatever, but also he's a beekeeper and he continuously makes bee puns, but then you meet other professional beekeepers like the assassin style, and they don't do that. <laughs> but that's the last thing I plan to learn about that movie. Does, does Jason Statham work, like... 360 days out of the year or something like he has so many he i feel like he has like four films that come out every single i don't want to be disrespectful would you consider what he does especially difficult <laughs> no but i mean it just like i mean you i know films take a long time to make and everything you know like, you gotta be there. yeah yeah he's gotta run around you uh, know who really does the who works 365 is his stunt double, honestly probably. Yeah, he must have. I mean, with how much he's working, he must have multiple doubles. He has to. Multiple bald guys. Well, there's a lot of bald guys. So. That's true, but you gotta be... You gotta be... Uh, fit. Bald and fit. True, true. He's, he's, he's fucking yoked, yeah. I guess he's not bald, right? He's probably... No, he's British. Well, Evil Alex is yawning with this uh, yeah, t- this talk. T- no, I mean, that's rightfully so. We've devolved into talking about... Jason Statham <laughs> uh, movies, so I think that's time to uh, means it signals it's time to wrap it up. Although it is fitting for January, I guess. But yeah, that was the poor things episode. Stay subscribed to Brooklyn Rebound Network. Check out some other podcast episodes we have coming out. Talking NFL playoffs, talking NBA basketball. I think some comedy improv style apps are around the the horizon as well. Uh, check out Drew's views on YouTube for uh, TV series reactions, anime reactions with Eric, and uh, uh, my other uh, cartoon reactions. And check out Go Away Alex. Google that and get uh, Alex to plan your trip to you. It doesn't have to be some of the stupid thing I'm trying to do. She'll, she'll plan anywhere. So. Yeah. Or hire her to choreograph your, uh, your next uh, film as well. She can do it all, really. Hell yeah. And uh, that'll do it for us. Uh, I gotta go make my, my boat plans. Peace. Oh, yeah.
Pod Boys Productions.